I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 68. My guest today is Shane Blackshear. Shane, welcome to the Things Above podcast. Oh, Jim, I'm so excited to be here. This is one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, that's so kind of you. Well, yours is one of mine. So uh, for those who uh, maybe don't know you or what you do, but uh, one of the things you do is the Seminary Dropout. That's your podcast. And you've been doing that. Gosh, how long have you been doing that podcast? I, I think it's a little over five years now, which... In podcasting years, that's a that's a dinosaur. You, <laughs> that, yeah, it's like dog years. You're a hundred. I don't know what that exactly. means. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know two hundred like plus episodes or something, right? Are you in the? Yeah, a little the, over two hundred right now. Yeah, that's amazing, right. amazing. Well, let's just start basic bio. So, like, if our listeners don't don't know much about you, can you give us the thumbnail sketch of of who is Shane Blackshear? Yeah, sure. I'll try. Uh, so I live here in Austin, Texas with wife and two kids, a uh, five-year-old and a two-year-old, and uh, had kind of a, a background uh, in, in the church and left that about eight, eight and a half years ago, moved to Austin, um, and then kind of thought I was out of vocational ministry, and, and, and I was. Uh, but after a short time of being out of it, uh, felt like there was a lot of it that I just couldn't leave behind. And so that kind of, uh, through long story short, that's kind of how the podcast grew out of that time. And so, like you said, been doing that for a long time now. And, uh, even just, uh, about a, not even a year ago, uh, kind of became a part of the pastoral team at my church. Uh, it's a, a volunteer spot. Uh, it's not full-time, uh, so that involves me having various responsibilities, but, but preaching once a month, at least, uh, doing other stuff. So now I've kind of got my foot back in that world as well. And, um, just kind of love to be able to do what I'm doing. Hmm. So what you said was after you left that work in a local church that you, you weren't ready to leave something behind, you said, so that sort of piqued my interest. What was it that you you were missing that you thought maybe doing the podcast would would fulfill? You know, I think it was, I, I, I've couched it in the, in the term of having spiritual conversations, um, having those spiritual conversations, those theological conversations. Um, the irony of it all is m most of the people that I interview on my podcast are authors like yourself. You've been a guest. Mm, yes. Um, and the funny thing is, is naturally, I'm not really a voracious reader, but when you're when you're interviewing someone, part of my commitment is I actually am going to read the books uh, of the people that I have on the show. So I've kind of been forced to read, and it's been uh, what a, like a wonderful journey. That the the title of my podcast, Seminary Dropout, is is really a, a metaphor because I want to have these deep conversations, but have it in a way that's accessible to everyone. Uh, but everyone always asks me, are you actually a seminary dropout? And the truth is I am. Uh, but I kind of, I feel like I've been able to uh, like piece together my own kind of uh, seminary track with um, having these world-class um, 
authors and you know scholars and theologians on my show and have one-on-one conversations with them about their books and writings and stuff. So it, it's just, uh, it's a life I can't believe I get to have. It's just so fun. <laughs> That's great. So you did drop out of seminary, but as a result of this podcast, you have now graduated from seminary, I think. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was, it's uh, slightly cheaper, I think, this way. Yes. Well, <laughs> I'll award you a diploma. I'll, uh, All right. it'll, be in, it'll be in the mail. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I think it. you've earned it, it Shane. <laughs> yes. Well, I love I love your I don't know tagline maybe, but um, the the phrase you say on the podcast is because good theology should be for everyone. Yeah. Uh, w- how did you come up with that? I love it, but how did you come up with that? You know, I noticed a disconnect between theology of Bible scholars, and I'm talking about evangelical Bible scholars and theologians, there's such a huge gap between what gets filtered down to the pew, um, the average person. And I find that a lot of people are are hungry for that. It's not a question of of being receptive, but there's there's just not often a lot of outlets for people to receive that. So I just I've just believed that that phrase at some point kind of popped in my head. Like this stuff should be for everyone, not just the scholars. And um, the good thing is we're living in this wonderful time where scholars are writing a lot of accessible stuff. In other words, it's not just textbooks that are meant for seminaries, but writing r- things that are meant for the average lay person. But, but a lot of times those books, those teachings, they don't get, uh, they don't make their way into like the bestseller rack in the average Christian bookstore. So it's been one of my great joys is kind of bringing this stuff to people and and uh, just kind of being a conveyor belt for it for people. Well, you do a fantastic job, and it is, I think, a, a crucial thing. And it's, I'll just go ahead and share some of my own, the reason why I love what you're doing that resonates with me because, a quick story, but but many, many years ago when I was in college, so this is the 80s, but Richard Foster was my professor, and he had me reading really great theology. I was reading Wesley and Bart and Calvin, but I was also reading, you know, Merton and Nowen. I was reading yeah. um, Lewis. I was reading Madame Guillaume, Bernard of Clairvaux, Augustine, on and on and on. And so, and, and I was a new Christian when I came to my undergraduate program. So I just, when I graduated from college, uh, I just assumed all Christians read these people. Like, I just yeah, thought... Yeah. And, and and I took that even into seminary and I assumed, and I got to seminary and went, my, wow, my fellow seminarians don't even read these people. Mm-hmm. And so then I got in a local church and I was probably a year or so into this job and I was teaching one night and someone said, so Jim, what's, you know, what have you been your big influences that have shaped your Christian life? And I said, well, clearly the scriptures, right? I mean, that's, that's obvious. I said, but next to that, I would say probably the devotional classics and great theology, great writers. And they went, well, who are you talking about? And I, so I mentioned all the people I just listed, right? And blank stares. I mean, the people in the church just looked like, yeah, I don't, I don't know who you are and not to be mean, but had I said, you know, maybe Chuck Swindoll or Max Licato <laughs> sure, sure. or someone else, and those aren't, there's nothing bad about that. But I mean, if I'd said those guys, because those were more popular, maybe accessible, they might've gone, oh yeah. Uh, and so it was after that experience that um, I thought, wow, people don't have access to 
to these great writers and thinkers. I mean, many of them are, I mean, you can't do a podcast with St. Augustine, but I mean, but you, many of these folks are, are long gone, but nonetheless, their, their writing's still there. Yeah. And so I went, I, so I went back to Richard Foster. He and I, we had just started Renovari. We weren't too far into that ministry. And I said, Richard, how are we going to get these writers into the hands of, of the average people? And I said, I think I have an idea. And so what became the book Devotional Classics came out of the, that experience and that discussion, which is, you know, 52 of what I call, you know, the greatest hits of the, of the saints and the, and theologians. And so that, I mean, I've lived with how important that is. I've seen it, seminaries use it, people use it. So that was my contribution to what you're trying to do, Shane, which is you're doing it in a more modern venue, a more modern medium, which is podcasts. But, but you and I are uh, two peas in the same pod because that that passion to bring good theology to people who otherwise wouldn't know who they are or wouldn't have any way to digest it or accept it. Um, so kudos to you for doing, for carrying on that same torch. So thank you, brother. Well, that means a lot. And, and I have to say that that book that you compiled with Richard Foster, The Devotional Classics, is was a big deal to me when I discovered it. And I delight when I go over to a friend's house and the devotional classics are, is on their bookshelf. Because then you know that they're saved. Is that right? <laughs> you, you, you can pretty yeah, much guarantee. Kind of people. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. And Shane, if it happens again, just say, I talked to James Brian Smith and your salvation's guaranteed. Just <laughs> see Red, how that goes you can over. Sleep easy tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, I do, I, and I've listened to so many episodes of, of your podcast, and you're a great interviewer, and that's not easy. And you also, I know, as you just said earlier, you got to read. To be a good interviewer, you need to really read the book. I mean, I've, I've been on TV shows and Christian radio shows where, like, they didn't read my book, and I can tell. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, also kudos to you for taking the time to do that. Uh, but I mean, my gosh, you have, you've learned so much and your guests are so good. So um, let me ask this, how do you go about finding these guests? What, what's, what's the process that you, that you take to figure out who you want to have on? And yeah, I'll just let you run with that. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, in the podcasting world, we talk about having your, your avatar, which is like, basically like you program your show to, um, to interest this avatar that you have. It's not a real person, but you kind of like make up this person with that person like that. And um, honestly, my, this is real selfish, maybe a little narcissistic, but my avatar is me. Um, is it, my question to myself is, does this interest me? Mm. And for one thing, if it doesn't, um, I'm not going to be able to fake it. I'm not going to be able to fake that I'm interested in this subject um, if I'm really not. And so you can probably tell through if if someone really listened to a lot of my podcast they could probably tell like oh during this time uh Shane was going through a real like anabaptist phase <laughs> where he was really interested in a lot of anabaptist stuff um and then there was this time where he was really interested in the you know whatever the patristics or something like that so for instance like on Friday I'm inter- I'm interviewing someone who wrote a book on discipling your children 
and my kids are getting to the age where they're able to understand at least my oldest is uh she's five and so we're really starting to get into like okay like how do i um help foster her spiritual life and so that's it's this book on discipling children and so you know you kind of uh figure out like who are these voices out there that I trust and, and the kind of things that they're saying. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my method. It's not real cut and dry. It's kind of I kind of feel my way through it sometimes, but that's that's how I get to it. Well, you know what I like about that is that uh and I'm going to misquote Anne Lamott. She said something like this about it was basically about writing, but she said if it's real to you and it resonates with you, it's probably going to be real and resonate to someone else. And, and so that's what I like is that you're saying, look, this is, for me, it's important. It connects with me. And that's a pretty good litmus test. Cause if it's, if it's speaking to you and helpful to you, it's probably helpful to many other people. And I, I so I, I think that's a, that's a great answer to that question. But what I didn't see coming is that, so you're your own avatar. So that means you're actually blue. Is that right? You're a, you're a blue. <laughs> I have no face. Cause I, cause just, I saw the person. Just I saw the. Outline. I mean, I saw the movie. And, oh, oh no, right, right. Okay, we, no, like a yeah, the Facebook avatar. Like, okay. sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a bad movie reference. But we had Shane, or, or we had uh, Josh Larson on the podcast, and yeah, the and, movie uh, guy, yeah, yeah, and he and he uh, he talked a lot about Avatar, and I was like hoping, boy, I hope our listeners have seen that movie. But that's so, funny. That was my attempt at humor. I don't think it really worked. But anyway, so no, that's good. You're you're the you're the person that is the test for which what you want to, uh, what connects with you. And I, and I, I again, I think that's what's going to connect with other people. So let's 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 go another angle here. This is I'm just having fun with this because I I now have a podcast and I listen to yours and I have guests as well. What makes for a good guest? I mean, what when you because you know, when you get someone on, maybe you don't know how they're going to be. I mean, they may be a good writer, but will they be someone that's engaging in a discussion? So what makes for a good interview? Interviewee, maybe I guess is the right question. Yeah. I I appreciate people who don't have a canned response for everything. And sometimes this actually happens. It's kind of counterintuitive, but sometimes really people who are very popular and they've really, you know, it's like their fifth interview that day. Um, it, it's not really their fault, but it's just, they've answered that question so many times that it kind of comes out sounding rehearsed. And so I guess that's where I try to be a good interviewer. If I can ask a question that has not been asked before of them and I always feel good about it when I ask a question and they have to pause for a second to think about it and it's not it's not the canned response that they've given every time because it's at least it's it's phrased a little bit differently or it's coming at a unique angle but those are the guests that I appreciate the most where I ask something and they re- they actually have to pause for a second to think about it um and and not just give that canned response yeah i i i feel the same way when i'm talking with someone cuz you, and you're right and so a lot of authors you know they do have publicists to line up all kinds of podcasts and radio interviews. And, and I know I've done it myself. So I know what that's like when you, when it's the third of the day and, yeah, and it's hard, yeah, but totally, uh, but I agree with you. I, what I, I love, and I think this is kind of what you're getting at. I love when there's that surprise, the, yes, you didn't quite see that answer coming. Like the, you, you threw out what you thought was maybe a good question and they paused and then 
they started talking about something like, wow, I didn't see that, that coming at all. And I think that's, what's really fun. Cause it feels alive. Like it has energy when it's something new that they're talking about that you didn't expect really. Uh, yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's th those moments where you get the kind of, where you really feel like you're sitting on, on a couple of friends talking to each other and not a, you know, not a, not a performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels genuine. And I think, and that's right with the people who can kind of get away from, look, I'm trying to, you know, pitch my book or something. Yeah, I just exactly. really want to talk exactly. about an idea. But I mean, it is, boy, it is a lot of work. And so again, I'm, I'm, I appreciate what you're doing with that. Um, who, what guests sort of stand out? And, and of course, you want to start with me. But what guests stand out as like, wow, that was really good. Like that was... Um, when I was done, I learned maybe more than the book. I, I felt like that was helpful. Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, present company excluded, Jim. Yeah, we'll um, just assume that one, Shane. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so you're, you're, you might think I'm, I'm pandering to you in this answer too, but when people ask me who my favorite interview was, um, generally I say Richard Foster. And I part of that is, um, you know, Richard is not one who's like, uh, doing the podcast circuit, you know? Right. Um, no, he's hard, hard. He doesn't do many of those at all. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, uh, celebration of discipline. I read that in college and it was just like mind blowing to me. And it was kind of, it kind of felt like, yeah, I think I've been searching for this, but never found it. You know, it's like something like in growing up in, you know, the free church world, it's like something like fasting. It's all over the Bible, but we never did it or talked about how to do it. And, you know, here's this book explaining very plainly what fasting looks like and along with the other disciplines. So anyway, that was like just a watershed moment for me. And then getting to interview him and I got to interview him face to face. And I can't remember if I told you this story, but uh, you and he were doing a, a Renovare conference in Tyler, Texas. And this is probably like the first year of my podcast. And so I went, heard you speak, heard him speak, and uh, got to interview him afterwards. So got to do it in person. So that was like a big deal to me. And uh, I also remember uh, talk, talking about, I think he tells this story. He may have told the story in Celebration Discipline. Maybe it's in prayer. Uh, or his his book on prayer is it called prayer? What's what's that? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the title. Mm -hmm. You know, he tells a story about this uh, student of his named Jim that goes on this spiritual retreat and gets assigned a monk with tennis shoes and uh, <laughs> this beautiful story. So I asked him about it, and he goes, "You know, you know that's Jim, right? That just spoke." And and I hadn't put it together, and uh, so it was just one of those you know funny moments. Um, <laughs> So I, I felt like, you know, when you and I met later, I felt like I was meeting like this legendary character, you know, like someone <laughs> like, a, like I was meeting Frodo from Lord of the Rings or something. Um, but I the, sincerely, I love that interview. It was so wonderful. And I always just kind of cherish that that kind of hour I had with him. Um, others that are my favorites. I had one with uh, about probably a little over a year ago. I had an interview with Tish Harrison Warren and her husband. And I listened to that one. And yeah. uh, she, on women in ministry, I think. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. And 
I love that one. That wasn't even on, you know, she is an author, but it wasn't even about her book. Her and I kind of met previously. She lived in, her and her husband lived in Austin for a while. That's right. I forgot. And yeah. um, she kind of got the question a lot. Like, how do you, why do you support women in ministry? She was a woman in ministry or in, in uh, women pastors, women priests. And uh, she has very, very deep convictions about that, as do I. And uh, one, I think it was on Facebook. She was like, you know, I, I want a place where I can go and just kind of lay everything out there. Why I believe this? Does anybody have you know, a podcast they'd be willing to let me go on? And I kind of on Facebook kind of raised my hand. Um, I would love that if you're, you know, if you think that my podcast is is a, a good place for that, I would just be honored. And it turned out to be one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. The irony of that is the audio is not very great on that uh, particular episode. I think they were the Warrens were having some bad weather that night. It was giving us some bad audio, but. Um, and that's turned out to be one of the episodes that I've gotten the most feedback on. It just seems like, um, you know, a lot of times you probably figure this out. Like you do an, a, a podcast episode, you put it out. It's great for two weeks. People listen to it and then it almost never gets listened to again. Um, but that's one that keep people keep sharing and keep bringing back up. And, uh, that stuff's so fun. And it's just, it's like such an amazing honor to just be that a small part of that, to be able to like bring that content to people. That's great. And I, and I've, I've met Jonathan as well, her husband and, um, and I've gotten to know Tish quite well and he's a sharp cat as well. Oh my goodness. So so to that's, that's a, that's great that you, so that I got a follow-up question then. So if that was one of the podcasts that, that uh, doesn't just sort of get its usual listeners, but has a life of its own, keeps going. What do you think was the reason? I mean, uh, was it the topic? Was it uh, was it the the conversation was just really engaging? People went, "I want my friends to hear that." Or, I mean, what do you what do you think is the reason why it had, you know, it kind of went not maybe viral, but it went it had more life than others. Yeah, I think that in my experience, there are a lot of women out there who. Well, obviously, there are a lot of women out there that feel called to ministry, but either sometimes their denominations, you know, explicitly prohibit that. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes in the denomination, there's there are varying views. Sometimes the denominations, they affirm women, but there's just no history of it. So they don't, in other words, they don't go to a church where a woman is on staff and there's just no... Uh, example for them, and they are feeling like theologically they feel they have this sense that they have grounds to stand on, but it hasn't been laid out for them very well. And so here comes Jonathan and, and Tish, and they lay it out so eloquently. They have an uh, unwavering devotion to the authority of Scripture, uh, and also you know, a high view of Christian history as well. And so here they come along and they lay it out so well and beautiful um, and make such a convincing case for women in ministry. And um, I think it just, it, it quenched a thirst that people had and continue to have. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think I think you hinted at it a little bit that, but the topic is of great importance to actually quite a lot of people, I think in this day and age. I mean, I have 
I've had several students, female students who have gone through our undergraduate program and then gone to seminary and, uh, and gone in local church settings and they wrestle with that, you know, um, I, in fact, one of, one of my former students, she wore this t-shirt that I thought was hilarious. It says, uh, uh, we ordain women because we baptize girls, <laughs> which I thought was, I thought that was kind of clever yeah. and, and one that kind of makes you think for a second. Right. But, but I share that because I know that she, for example, is in uh, a denomination where uh, similar to, to, to Tish, I think that the denomination is like, yeah, we affirm this, but we're not really sure entirely. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like, like with me and my denomination as United Methodist, that's like, that's foregone. I mean, we've, we've way past that one and there are other denominations the same, but uh, in some denominations, it's still, it's still kind of a question mark. Yeah. Like we want to be progressive on this and say, yeah, women can be in ministry. And then there's, there's still something hanging on. I think, so I think for women in that position or their spouses or people who just care about the topic, uh, I think they would want to listen to that episode because, uh, again, you, as you pointed out, they're very articulate, articulate, biblically grounded, historically, you know, accurate as well. So, yeah, um, that's a, that's a, that's a great example. So hey, one last question that, and it's related to the last question, um, you know, one of Dallas Willard's biggest fears, and he talked with this, talked about this with me before he passed, but he said that he had seen, he was seeing how the Christian spiritual formation movement was growing really rapidly. I think it surprised a lot of us, particularly those of us who started working with Renovari back in the day, because that was the early nineties when, when, you know, we got picketed at our conferences when we started, this is new age, it's heresy, Mm -hmm, it can't mm -hmm. be. And so, and then fast forward to where there's pastors of spiritual formation and seminaries have courses and emphases in spiritual formation and, and so forth. Um, and then there's lots and lots of books. And so there's a part of me being honest that really loves that. I think, wow, there are so many books in spiritual formation. Uh, I'm grateful for my own publisher, InterVarsity Press and their Fermatio line, yeah. which, which pushes, uh, you know, our, our thinking and, and wants us is, is producing great books. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are about at what point, well, I didn't actually say what Dallas's fear was. His fear was that um, it would grow so rapidly that it wouldn't have a strong biblical, theological, and anthropological base, mm. and that it would degenerate into technique, mm. that it would just be, here's another book about how to um, journal or something sure. uh, without any, and, or meditate or do labyrinth or fast or something, but it wouldn't have that solid grounding. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Shane? Because I mean, there, first of all, do you see that there are seems to be a lot of books in the formation world? Um, but w- where are we going? Do you think we're? Do you think Dallas's fear is being dealt with? That we're getting some depth, or do you think we need to do more work? Wow, yeah, that's a great question. It's, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier about when you, when in the early days and you're getting picketed and, you know, I come from a tradition that kind of leans that way sometimes. Um, so on one side of the spectrum, you have the, you have those who just want to say, look, let's just only read the Bible. That's all we need. Um, 
and, and, uh, you know, stop trying to feel God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is like, I don't think right. they ever put it that way, but to me, it's, it seems to be what they're saying, you know, uh, who needs to feel God? Like, let's just, uh, and it goes back to that. Let's just arrange the mental furniture just right. You know, um, yeah, get our doctor. That, right. That's right. That's right. And I think that really the product of that is like almost like an effective atheism. Like we're just we're going to act like God is not actually doing things in the world, um, and and deny that there might be an active God who we should encounter. Um, and then, like you're asking about, I think there is the other side of. Um, let's just do these kind of techniques and it almost, it almost does kind of become a kind of just new age movement with kind of a veil of Christianity on it without that biblical backing. And I just feel like, I just, I think I have a strong conviction that these ancient practices, these disciplines and the commitment to the authority of God through scripture, those two things really need each other. They're incomplete without it. Like I I think I view both of those things as kind of just the inheritance that Christians have from God. And so um, they really, they really need each other and are incomplete without each other. And um, there probably are some, some books coming out that, that don't have that biblical basis uh, and backbone but I think they're probably weaker for it. And, and the ones that uh, like the stuff that you put out, the stuff that Renovari puts out and IVP puts out uh, seem to really have that commitment to both. And um, yeah, I mean, I think Dallas's fear was probably well-founded, but I, I don't have, I don't have time to read uh, the stuff that doesn't have commitments to both of those things. Yeah, right. And yeah, and I, I think, yeah, your answer is spot on. I think I, I would probably answer by saying uh, he, he was right to be concerned about it. But here's what Dallas wouldn't have predicted because he was so humble. And that is that his impact has really helped with this problem because just this past year, uh, two books landed on my doorstep that were written by guys I actually don't know, uh, I kind of know of. But their books that are so Willardian, yeah, if you will. Yeah. I mean, they were so deeply influenced by Dallas. It's, I mean, I, I just looked at the table of contents and I went, oh, this is a Dallas yeah, person. Yep. And, and, and they're, and they're teaching the, the good stuff, you know, about the kingdom, uh, about the gospel, uh, of transformation and all this stuff that was so important to Dallas. And I think, yes, you know, that we need more, more voices you know, pulling in that direction. So, um, yeah, good answer, Shane. Because I think I think it's it's right that that it's something to continue to be concerned about. But by and large, I think we've moved the pendulum's moved a little bit in the other direction, which is which is fantastic. But Shane, boy, you've given me so much time. Thank you for spending this this time with me on the Things Above podcast, and thanks for your work. Continue to do that. Uh, your diploma will be in the mail <laughs> for seminary graduation. Uh, We'll get you the cap and gown. Maybe you can walk. Yeah, we'll do know, we'll do a little ceremony. In yeah, the spring. yeah, da, 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 it'll be great. <laughs> well, uh, I have to say, I saw on my on this day on Facebook. I think tomorrow is the Things Above one anniversary. As we're recording this, probably not when you publish it, but as we're recording this, that's exactly so, right. Yes, congratulations. I 
heard, I remember hearing the first episode and being uh, totally blown away. I wasn't real surprised at the content because I know you and I expected it to be amazing. Um, but just the, the sound of it, it was sounded so great. Just the production value, all that stuff. You guys do such a good job. And, and the people that you've had on are, I think there's only one person that you've had on that I haven't also had on seminary dropout. And it kind of reads like, uh, uh, my favorite people, like the, the best of (laughs) people that you've had on, um, people that, that I love and, um, yeah, Emily P. Freeman and Jim Pollock Michelle and uh, Greg Boyd and Brian Zahn. Um, you're, you guys are doing yeah. such a good job. I just love every episode. Well, we're just copying you, Shane. Just go, <laughs> who Shane have on? Okay, let's get them. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that's a can't miss. But anyway, yeah, thanks for your work. Keep it up, brother. And, uh, and we will be in touch. So good to talk to you. Blessings to you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this Things Above conversation with Shane Blackshear. I know I did. And I hope that you will join me next week for episode 69. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked what's on your mind, your answer will be, things above.